Well, good morning. This We're in this series called At the Movies. And what we've been doing over the last few weeks, except for the exception of last week, is we've been looking at some of the summer blockbusters and saying, uh, not that we're trying to learn from the movies themselves, but we're, we're looking at these movies and finding gospel themes in the movies that, that really are God's ideas, not the movie's ideas, and then, um, and then teaching on that. And, of course, all of you have probably heard the story of Snow White, and I don't know if you've seen this movie or not, but it's a super cute movie. And uh, it, we, my wife and I uh, went to see it uh, when it came out, and it was really good. So, uh, And it's safe, pretty much safe for the whole family. There's not much in it if you're interested in, in watching a good movie. But they do a kind of a fun new take on Snow White. But if, even if you know the classic story, you know, Bad Witch, who uh, is jealous of younger, beautiful Snow White, and she tries to get rid of her and banish her and, and, and win over the, the kingdom. But this, and the whole thing in the movie really is this idea, uh, this theme that says it's not so much what is on the outside and what appearance is, but really what it is, the, the most important thing about our lives is what we do. And so uh, really every character in, in this modern movie, Mirror, Mirror, um, every character has this sense, almost this duality, like they appear one way, but um, their actions speak another way. And so this is not by any means a new idea that what we do is way more important than what we look like. That, that didn't originate in Snow White by any means. Um, Jesus was the inventor of that. Jesus talked about that a lot, actually, a whole lot. He taught about uh, this idea. And we've prob- you've probably even you know, said that even if you've never been to church before, you've probably told somebody that or you've thought that before. You know, what's on the outside is not as important as what's on the inside. You've all said that. Um, but the scripture uh, says that in a really unique way. And, and according to um, James, who is actually the brother of Jesus, James puts it in a very bold and, and strong way. And that's the passage we're going to look at tonight. And it's funny because it talks about uh, a mirror. But in the, the book of James, chapter 1, it starts out with this, uh, really, James is talking about trials and temptations, and he's talking about people who've been through some difficult hardships, and maybe they've become bitter, maybe they've become angry at God, because oftentimes when, when we face difficulty, uh, we, we turn from God, because we say, God, you know, why would you let this happen to me? God, why would you allow, you know, me to go bankrupt? Why would you allow me to have to go into foreclosure? Why would you, you know, take my job from me? Why would you take my health from me? We begin to blame God for things. And, um, and James begins to speak uh, specifically to these type of, uh, of, of people. Um, and so he gets to the, to the verse in verse 22 that we're going to um, focus on today, this short passage. But um, in this passage, it, it, it's going to define for us very specifically, this idea of what the difference between really what we look like on the outside and, and then what we talk about and then what we do and how important it is, is, is what we do really means everything. So I want to jump in and read this uh, to you. James chapter 1, verse 22. If you've got a Bible, jump to it so you can uh, circle it and read it some other time. Uh, otherwise, just you can read it with me. It's about 22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. So in this first sentence, he says, 
if you're just listening to the word, you're deceiving yourself. And now just to explain when he says the word, what he means is the scriptures, the word of God, the Bible. And so if you're, it says, if you're just merely listening to the word, you're deceiving yourself. Um, just as a side note, if you're here today and you're a person who would not claim to be a Christian, um, you might know a little about, about God. Or you might even say, I'm, I'm open to God, but I'm, I would not necessarily consider myself a Christian. Um, this passage is actually not for you. And so um, you can listen, and, and we, I invite you to listen, and I, I want you to, um, to hear what we have to say today. But uh, you have to understand, much of the scriptures are actually written, written to people who were already followers of Jesus. This book in particular, the book of James, uh, written by Jesus' very brother, um, this was written to people who were, had made this choice, I'm going to follow Jesus. And so it's important that we, we make that, that differentiation because oftentimes what will happen is, is people who are Christians who go to church will place um, the same instructions that God has given them onto people who, have, who are not Christians and who are not following God. And, and it's, it's kind of like, it'd be like me going into um, your place of business and ordering everyone around, like me just walking into your office and saying, okay, guys, I need you guys to do this, 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 and this. Here's the rules for today. Here's what we're going to do. You would go, whoa, whoa, who are you to tell me what to do? And I would say, well, don't you know? I mean, uh, isn't that what we tell everyone? Don't we just boss everyone around? No, um, I would have no authority in your, in your place of business. I have no authority in your home to tell you what to do. And it's kind of the same idea. Uh, us as Christians, we can't, um, the Bible has never has actually tells us we're not supposed to judge those who are outside. So this is not necessarily rules for you to live by, but for those of us who are Christ followers, this is important for us. And he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. So um, when he says deceive yourself, that's kind of strong words that if we just listen to the word of God, we're being deceived, we're fooling ourselves. What is he talking about? He's, and this is very, very relevant to today. Very, very relevant to today. In fact, this morning, this Sunday morning, there are many, many, many people all across America and probably churches worldwide that are experiencing this right now. They're being deceived uh, right now. And here's, here's what I mean. And we've, we've created this culture in, in America around the church where if we just show up to church if we just kind of make it to the building, if we um, listen to a sermon or something like that, then for some reason we feel like we've done our part and we've done our duty. And now God's going to give us brownie points. And now we're going to get a special parking spot when we go to the mall this afternoon. You know, it's like we're going to get all the green lights going down our road, you know, and nothing bad is going to happen to us because we went to church. Because if you go to church, well, then you've accomplished something, right? Um, the Bible, James would say that if, if that's all you've done is just show up to the building and, and, and listen to a sermon, and maybe you even listened to all of it and you didn't even fall asleep, congratulations. Um, well, then he says you're deceiving yourself. You're being deceived. And, and here's, 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 and I'll, I'll prove to you why we even think this way. We have this messed up idea that what separates Christians from non-Christians is their idea that they attend a church service. 
Here's what I mean. You, you might have even done this if you're a Christian, or if you're a non-Christian, maybe you've even had people ask this of you. Um, when people, when you meet, like let's say a new family moves into your neighborhood, or you meet a new family, on a, you know, your kids are in sports, you meet a new family. Here's the question that we usually never ask. We usually never ask, hey, are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a, are you a Christian? Um, do, you, do you believe in, in the gospel? And are, are you forgiven and set free by, by God? We don't ask that question, do we? No, what do we ask? Do you go to church? Don't we? We ask that question. That's how we define people. We say, do you go to church? Do you attend a place? And then, of course, if they say, yeah, I go to church, then instantly what we assume is, oh, now that they attend a church, they must be a follower of Jesus. James is is speaking specifically to a, a group of people who... Um, in their mind, uh, they, they think just because they have religious stuff around them that they are religious themselves. Just because they talk religious talk and they go to temple or go to synagogue or because they hear the word of God, they, hear, like they sat all day long and listened to the reading of God's word, that that made them um, more important, that that made them spiritual. They had their spiritual experience. Therefore, they are closer to God. God approves of them more because they visited. And here in America, it even gets more. If we attend, that's good. But here's when we get really spiritual. If we attend and we feel guilty, ooh, now we've had a real spiritual experience at church, right? It's like not only did I go to church, God, I felt really bad when I heard that sermon. I mean, I felt really bad about it. I even put a couple bucks in the plate, you know. And then, and so all of a sudden, we, we had this ex- religious experience because we, we listened, we attended, and we even felt bad. Now, I'll just play a pretend game here with you uh, for a second. Let's, let's just say that me and you uh, are business partners, and we have this business venture, and we make some product. I don't know what it is, and, uh, but, but we're, we're booming and growing, and so we, we need to expand. So I say, hey, listen, we need to expand. I'm going to go over to this, to this other state, and um, we're going to start a whole new company and factory over there so we can produce more product because we're doing so well. But here's what I want you to do. I'm, I'm going to leave you a set of instructions, and I'm going to be emailing some instructions to you while I'm gone. And you say, great, this will be awesome, and you go ahead. So I leave. I go away for six months, and I begin to start a new business. I come back after six months, after sending plenty of emails and, and giving instructions. I come back, and I, I walk into the office, and things look a little different. The place is dirty. The trash is overflowing over here. There's trash all over the floor. Um, sports centers on in the lobby, and half the employees are sitting around watching Sports Center drinking Cokes. And, um, and then the, they look at the front desk, and nobody's sitting at the front desk. And, and then I see, like, the factory line's not running anymore, and we're not, there's stuff piled up everywhere, and everything is in shambles. And I, and I go, and I say, what in the world happened? Like, you know, I, I sent you all these emails. What happened? He goes, I said, did you, did you not get my emails? And you would say, oh, no, I, I got your emails. I got every one. We read them. In fact, we broke up into groups, and we studied your emails. And we, every Sunday morning, we would actually sing motivational songs about your emails, it was awesome. I mean, we, we began to memorize portions, whole, whole, whole emails. We would memorize them. And then we would take those emails and we would do home groups. And we would even study your emails at home. And, uh, and then I would say, well, yeah, but what did you do? 
Well, we didn't do anything about it, but we sure did, we sure do know your emails. Yeah, I know that sounds ridiculous. That's insane, right? That's stupid. That would never happen. If it did, you know, then everyone would be would be fired. But um, this is the state of many American churches. That oftentimes the we the church we don't look any different than anyone else who doesn't go to church. And the only differentiation between a person who is a Christian or a non-Christian is the fact that they've attended and listened and maybe sang some motivational songs about what they've listened to. Um, If you're a person here and you're not a Christian, this has been frustrating for you because you've looked at people who call themselves Christians and they attend and they listen and they they, they go to a place of worship on Sunday morning. They've even tried to drag you to church a couple times. And yet they, for some reason, though, they don't really live a whole lot different lives. They yell at their kids the same way you do. They look at the same bad stuff like you do. They use bad language just like you do. And in honesty, you're trying to look at them and you're going to go, well, really the only thing that defines them differently is that they go visit this place on Sunday mornings. And they feel guilty about themselves. And maybe they talk about it every once in a while. And then they try to feel then they try to invite me so I can go feel guilty too. And so if that's been your experience, I want to apologize because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible is very, very clear, and it says that if we just listen to the Word of God, if we just kind of accept the Scriptures, if we read the Bible and we, we open up God's Word and we just listen and shake our heads and say, that was really good, that was really good, then we have deceived ourselves. We've bought a lie. We've, we've made ourselves into fools. The rest of that passage says, so do not merely, merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. It says, do what it says. Because after all, isn't it what we do that defines us? Not what we've listened to, right? It's not what we've talked about that defines us. It's not what we, the ideas that we have in our mind. It's not the intentions that we have. It's what we do. I'm a parent of uh, six children, and it is pretty wild around my house. And if you have any amount of kids, you know how quickly the house can just become a mess, right? And one of the things that's probably my greatest frustration as a parent is when you go to your child and you say, um, hey, guys, we've got to clean up this playroom. We've got guests coming over, and this place looks like a wreck. All right, I tell you what, we'll clean downstairs. You guys, all you have to do is just clean the playroom. And I do this, we do this all the time. We have this problem with the kids all the time. Okay, you're going to clean the playroom. So we go downstairs, and my wife and I, we're cleaning the kitchen, working on downstairs. We come up, it could be an hour later, and the room looks exactly the same. You guys, anybody? All right, you, you guys know. And if you have kids especially. And so the room looks the same. And then here's the question that you ask. What have you guys been doing? We've been working, you know. <laughs> They're like, we're working really hard. But, they're just, but they have all these toys in their hands, you know, and it's like, why are they not getting in the box? Well, I'm just organizing them. You know, basically they're playing with them instead of putting them away. And so this happens, of course, way too often in our house. And, and here's what we do not do. Here's what, well, if, listen, here's what they say all the time. This is what they say all the time. It, is we'll ask them, did, was, was I clear? Was I not clear what you were supposed to do? And they go, yeah, you were clear. We're, we're, we're doing it. We're cleaning. But I see no physical evidence of it. So here's what I do not do. Oh, you know what? I'm so proud of you for listening to me. And you know what? Just because, because I know you listen so well, 
I'm going to go ahead and, and let you off because I know you worked really hard at listening. No, no parent would do that. That's nuts, right? We don't, we don't give allowances to our kids when they don't do their, do their chores. We don't, we don't give them the benefit of that. Well, you listened really well. So let me just go ahead and give you your allowance, even though you did nothing. No, we don't do that. We get upset and we say, you know, you're, you're in trouble and you guys better clean up this place. And, you know, well, we rant, we rave or whatever. And, and the reality is, is that in real life, this is how we operate. But on a spiritual plane, sometimes we can, I don't know, get confused because um, obedience can be difficult sometimes. Or obedience can, can be too hard or put too much pressure on us or, or whatever. And so we just, we just um, get to the place where we would rather uh, talk about it, agree about it, listen well, but not really do. James says um, that's not the way of the scriptures. James says that is not what Jesus intended. Jesus intended for us when we hear the word of God that we would not deceive ourselves just by listening, but we would be doers of God's word. And he gives this great illustration. Listen uh, to what he says. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. There's this person who goes up to a mirror and says, ooh, that's what I look like. And then they walk away and they forget. Now, many of you, um, you probably all looked in the mirror this morning, didn't you? And how many of you said, oh, dear Lord, (laughs) I need help. You know, you looked in that mirror and you thought, man, this is going to be difficult. But, um, But thank the Lord, you have spent a lot of money. Your cabinet and your bathroom is filled with many products and things to go to, to go to work on your face to make you um, look a little better, right? Um, but if, if, you, uh, if, if you have experienced that before, um, you understand what it's like to, to look in the mirror and go, man, I, I see myself for who I am, and I've got I've to fix this. I want to try to make this look a little better. I've given up, so I just don't do anything. But some of us uh, feel that way. We're, we don't want to look in the mirror because and we, we already know what's there. But the, but the Bible says a, a person who listens to the word of God and then just doesn't do what it, do what it says is like a person who um, looks in the mirror and then just walks away and forgets what they look like. Have you ever had like, you know, the stuff between your teeth before? Has that ever happened to you? And you were um, maybe over at a friend's house or you went out to eat dinner with some people and, and you had like some just big giant green thing right there, you know? <laughs> And uh, and you didn't know it, but everybody else knew it, and no one was willing to talk about it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you go in the bathroom, you look in the mirror, and you go, you go ah, and you're like ah, you know, because this big green thing there, and you're wondering how long has that been there. Um, it would be oh, sometimes us in the church is kind of like this. It's like us having this big green thing in our teeth, and us going around and hanging out with our friends, and they'd be like, man. You've got some serious nasty junk in your teeth. And you're like, yeah, I know. I need to get rid of that. <laughs> you know? Uh, would you pray for me? Because I really, I, I know, I know. I, it's an issue. I've got an issue. And I just want you to pray for me. And maybe we go home. We don't do anything about it. We don't brush your teeth. We go back out another day. We go to church. And we hear about at church all these people. If, if you have green stuff in your teeth, how you should get rid of it because it's embarrassing. And we go, man, I'm, our friends go, you know, Jay, you you got something, you know? And I go, well, man, I know, I know. Man, thanks for telling me. 
Thanks for telling me. Pray for me, you know. And, and we never do anything about it. The Bible says that's how silly it is that, that one of us would be a, a person who would, we would look, at, look into God's word and we would not um, change what we saw about ourselves. You see, the word of God is, is like a mirror into our souls. Uh, God's word is living and active. And for someone who's never met God, if you've never read the scriptures before and you don't know God, the thing that's amazing about God's word is, you know, some people just think it's just an old book. It's just this, you know, collection of a bunch of different people's uh, opinions. It is not that. It is the very written voice of God. And when you read it, um, it, is, it becomes a mirror to your soul. It, it reveals the deepest parts of your heart that sometimes you didn't even know were there. And it, and it begins to reveal things to you that are, are both good and, and things that you should have, that, that you're glad to know. You begin to learn that in Christ you're a new creation, in Christ that the, the old is gone and the new has come. But you also learn that, that God is a judge and that he takes sin seriously and he desires you to, to live a holy life that he's called you to live for you to be sanctified, for you to change your behavior so that you might honor him in the way that you behave. And then, but he also shares about his grace and mercy for when you've made mistakes. And, and when you begin to just dive into God's word, it, it shows a mirror into our hearts and into our souls. And for us just to turn away from that is, is ridiculous. James says it's, it's insanity. It's silly. It's almost this, this silly story of someone who thinks, well, that's uh, just a person who looked in the mirror and they turned around and they forgot even who they were. Very silly. But look at, look at what it says at the end of that. The next verse says, um, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. It says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law. Now, how many of you guys uh, have one of those makeup mirrors? If you're a guy, don't raise your hand. Um, how many of you girls, I should say, have one of those makeup mirrors? Like when you look at that thing, it's scary because all you see everything. It's like your face times 20. You know what I'm talking about? My aunt had one of those. My mom never really had one, but I would go to my aunt's house and I'd, she had one of those in the bathroom and I would look in that and it would scare me because all of a sudden I found things on my face that I had no idea were there. It's like you can see into every pore known to man, right? You can look up your nose and see your brain and you go, oh, there's, there's my brain. You know, I mean, those things are crazy. You can look pretty intently at your face so you can go to town and do some, some major uh, work on it. But the, the Bible says you need to have that same intensity when you look at God's word that there's this um, desire to not just breeze through but, but to, to study the word of God, study the works of God so that he might reveal who we are. Here's the crazy thing, what it calls the law. And this, this is, to many of you, this will sound um, almost counterintuitive. It says, when we look into the perfect law that gives freedom. And so for, for many of you, you I'm kind of losing you there because freedom and law, those things don't seem to match. It's, it, it's not very intuitive for us to think that law and freedom are the same thing. 
Because oftentimes what we think of as freedom is we think of freedom from rules, freedom from regulations, freedom from, from um, someone telling us what to do. If you grew up in, in, in around Christians or around church people and you had people in your life who were trying to impose rules upon you, God's rules, when you didn't even know God, and you would, you would use bad language and you're not a Christian, then some Christian would fuss at you and say, don't you dare use bad language. And you're like, what, you know, what's wrong with you? Um, they imposed a law on you, so you felt like, man, this, this God thing is just, all it is is a bunch of rules. And many people have felt that way about God because of the way Christians have misused God's word. But here, James, is very clear that the perfect law gives freedom gives freedom. Again, it's counterintuitive, but believe it or not, the law of God and the word of God is is extremely freeing to our souls, extremely freeing to our souls. Let me give you a practical illustration. Um, we just celebrated July the 4th, Independence Day, correct? And you guys, um, you know, probably shot off fireworks and blew stuff up and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. If you know much about the history of why we celebrate uh, Independence Day on July the 4th. July the 4th was actually the day that they um, ratified the words of the, um, the Declaration of Independence, right? It's not when the war was won because we were still actually fought years after the Declaration of Independence. But we created our Continental Congress, created this document. And, and on July the 4th, they finished the words and said, this is, these are the words of the Declaration of Independence. And then, then they signed that actually in August, August 6th, was when the declaration was actually signed and it was sent to King George. And the reason why we created this document of independence is because, if you remember, there was taxation without representation. You remember that? King George was taxing the new colonies over in America, asking them, putting this heavy, heavy financial burden on the people. And they're saying, listen, we're not benefiting from these taxes. There's taxation without no representation. He's this tyrannical ruler, King George III. He's calling us to, to give them all of our money um, when we, when only he's just benefiting from it. And we're not benefiting at all from the taxes. It's not like the taxes we're sending to King George are helping our streets or helping our government or helping our city. You know, it's not helping us. So there's this, you know, of course, then we had the Boston Tea Party and all this stuff. There was this radical act uh, um, among the uh, American colonists that says, hey, we're going we're gonna to be free and independent of the reign and rule of King George III. And now these, this famous line you've probably heard in the Declaration of Independence before, um, but I want to read it to you because I want to show you freedom in God's law. Listen, listen to it and see if you hear it in here. This is right from the uh, Declaration of Independence, the most famous sentence. You, you probably already know it. It says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You see, what the early America um, colonists knew is that when we placed ourselves under God's law, we saw ourselves as different. It, you see, when we place ourselves in, in the perfect law of God's word, we begin to see that God created us equal and that we all have these rights of liberty and the pursuit of happiness. We have freedom under God's law. We have freedom in God's law. And so they rallied together to, to fight for their freedom. 
And, of course, their, our freedom came at a very, very high cost, and it took us many years to, to win the Revolutionary War, and it took the help of the French and the Spanish. But, um, but we did, in the end, of course, win. But the idea of freedom was it came from the very Word of God. It came because these men, and maybe not all were Christians, but many were, said, God gives each man the right to freedom. And under the word of God, we are free to, to, um, to, to, to be um, free from this taxation without representation, to, to live our own life, to pursue happiness and liberty and, and freedom. And so it, th- this was true of our Independence Day, but this is true of uh, most areas in our life. And one that most people, here's one, an area that most people would never think of as, as the Bible giving us freedom. Um, the Bible teaches that um, Christians, people who follow God, should give 10% of their income uh, for the work of the church. And for many people, that, that kind of freaks people out. And they go, okay, here we go. Some money talk. They're trying to take God's, you know, guys are trying to take my money, stuff like that. Just listen. God has this amazing system and this amazing plan that whenever, and he he's actually asked people to, um, to test him on it that when you give the first fruits, the first 10% of your income to God, he will bless you and he will provide for you and you will never be without. God has this amazing plan that when we actually give to God, what we think, well, that's just a rule people are trying to impose on me. But when we do that, what we find in the end is that we find incredible financial freedom. Because if you're a person who, if you live by, in monetarily by biblical standards where you you give God the first 10%, you're saving 10%, you're not going into debt and you're living off the, the rest, you're going to find yourself in, in good shape financially. But if you're a person who spends like the average American and you just, you know, you get your freedom card, you know, your MasterCard freedom card and you go be free, pretty soon you find out that you're not free at all. In fact, you're a slave. Because the Bible says that um, if you're in debt, you're, you're a slave to the lender. And so Dave Ramsey talks a lot about that. You can go listen to him on that. He's, he's the expert. Um, but it is when we begin to obey God's laws that we find freedom. The same idea is when it comes to forgiveness. For those of us, forgiveness, when we forgive someone who hurts us, it's very, very counterintuitive. Because we would say, this person hurt me so much. For me to just let them off the hook, for me just to let them go and say, I forgive you, you don't owe me anymore, that just sounds crazy. Maybe you've been through a bitter divorce. Maybe you've been through a difficult separation. Maybe you've been through some hurtful stuff on the job, uh, in the job place. And you go, man, I, I can imagine just forgiving that person because that seems ridiculous. But what happens is, is when we forgive, we find freedom. And we, God just lifts this burden off of our shoulders. But you know what? When we hold bitterness and when we hold anger and we, when we hold resentment and revenge, we don't find any freedom in that. In fact, it is enslaving. And people are, there, there are people who are spending thousands of dollars right now on counseling because they can't get over the hurt that they went through. And they cannot forgive the people in their life that hurt them. And so now they're dealing with bitterness, they're enslaved to anger, and they're enslaved to their unforgiveness. It's counterintuitive, but God says when we forgive, we find freedom. The perfect law gives us freedom. And then there's this, there's this idea that says, or the scripture that says, that we'll be blessed. That by doing God's word, 
by being obedient to his word. He blesses us. He blesses us in obedience. When, when, you, when God speaks to you, when you look into the mirror of God's word, the Holy Spirit is the, is the thing that begins to speak to you from God's word to your heart. And what we call that is when the Spirit speaks to us and reveals to us an area in our life that we need to change, we would call that conviction. And when God convicts us through his word that there's an area in our life that he would like us to change, then our job is to change it. Our job is not just to listen. Our job is not just to feel good about it. Our job is not just to have a good intention about changing. Our job is to to change that. And it's not to wait on that. It is to change it immediately. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but we teach our children this, but but delayed obedience is disobedience. If I had to tell you 10 times and yell at you, then you really didn't obey. So if God convicts you in your heart when you look at his word and he speaks to you and says, this is something that I would like for you to change in your life, um, then you should change quickly and immediately. Maybe you're here and you're a young single and you're living with uh, a, a person. You're living with someone of the opposite sex and you're engaged in and a physical relationship that is outside of marriage, the Bible would say that you need to change. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to pray about it. You need to move out or get married. If you're here and you're addicted to Twitter and Facebook and it's become an idol in your life, and you just, it's like you you have to go get your buzz, you know. It's like, i got to have my Facebook. You know, i got to go tweet something because I'm going to start like convulsing here in a minute if it becomes an idol in your life where you're not actually socializing with people because you're on social media, kind of ridiculous, but it's happening all over. Um, and, and you should probably put that down and say, God, I'm going to spend time with you instead of spending so many hours on things like Facebook and Twitter. It's become an idol in your life. Um, maybe you're a person who's concerned or consumed with worry. And you say, well, it's just con- I was just concerned. You need to be honest about your worry and say, no, this, the Bible doesn't says do not worry, but I need to trust in the Father. And so you need to let go of your worry and, and, and trust your Heavenly Father. Um, there's many, many things that God could be convicting you of. Um, and, and the quicker that you're able to identify the issues in your life, that God is speaking to you and for you to do business with God and begin to clean up your life and make some modifications and some changes in your life, the sooner you'll experience the blessings of God, the sooner you will. It's only, and see, again, so many times people think that rules are God's way of, God wants to just control me. Listen, have you, if you, there's this very famous sermon that Jesus gave, his most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told the people kind of all these things that they should do. At the end of the sermon, though, he, he kind of wraps up why. I want to give you the why this is so important. It's so very, very cool. It's found in Matthew 5. So he's done this big, long sermon on the mountain. He's given people a lot of instructions. And here's what Jesus says, Matthew 5, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, in other words, they don't just listen, but they actually do it, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew against and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation 
on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is speaking metaphorically of our lives, that when we build our our lives around being obedient to the word of God, and yes, it might be more difficult to build a house on a rock. Maybe it's a lot more work involved. Maybe it seems just very counterintuitive. Maybe people go, why would you do that? That's kind of strange. You would forgive that person. seems strange that you would give, be generous and give money to the church or that charitable organization. Why would you do that? Um, it, seems, it seems weird, but you go, I, I know it seems weird, but I'm doing it for a reason. And then all of a sudden, when, when the storms of life come, you, you find out that you're the one that has freedom. And the people who lived what they called to be free and outside of the rules and boundaries of God, when the storms of life come, they find their house falling apart and their lives a wreck. Some of you in here, your life is a wreck right now. You feel like that person who built their house on sand because there's been so many areas of your life that you've messed up in that you've never come to repentance in and chosen to, to turn from your ways and, and turn to God. And the cool thing about the gospel is, is when, if you would just look back at the word of God, you would see something. You would see that there is a God who loves you so deeply. There is not this condemnation that says, hey, you messed it up and that's it. You messed up back then, so you better believe that I'm not, I'm not giving you any more freedom from here on out. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he loved us and he sent his son Jesus to die for us. So if you're a person here and you're, your house was built on sand because you've really just kind of made a mess of your life, you need to know that if you look into the scriptures, you see, you see the story of Jesus who paid the price for you because he loved you so much. He knew that you could not fix your life. So he said, I, I will fix it for you. And all he asks you to do is to come to him and say, God, I'm, I'm going to submit my life to yours. I'm going to come and repent. And I'm going to k- stop living the way I was living. And I'm going to be obedient to you. And I'm going to accept your word in faith and trust that you are good enough to get me to heaven. That's the gospel of Jesus that we read. And when we forget the gospel, it's easy for us to get confused. When you look in the mirror for your life, what do you see? When you look in the mirror of your life, what do you see? Do you see a person who has just kind of made a mess of things? Or do you see a person who is, um, who's doing your best to honor God? Either way, I would challenge you this week to begin intently looking into the law of the Lord. To begin intently looking into the scriptures because this is where you find freedom freedom. Jesus said very, very famously, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. There's freedom in truth. There's freedom in confession of your sin. There's freedom in coming to Jesus and saying, I can't do this anymore on my own. I need you, Lord Jesus. That's where we find freedom. So mirror, mirror on the wall, mirror, mirror on the wall. Let's not forget who we really are. It's not just about what we look like on the outside. It's not just about what we listen to. It's about what we do. That's what really matters. It matters what we do. That's what makes the difference. I would encourage you today, if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do that this morning because you have a God who loves you so deeply 
He loved you so much that He sent His Son Jesus to die for you. And He would only say that you would come to Him and ask for forgiveness to believe upon Him and act in that faith that you would be saved. It's not complicated. You don't have to do any weird ceremonies or rituals. And you don't have to attend church every Sunday. Now, it is good to attend church, okay? I don't, I don't mean you shouldn't go to church because it is good for us to rally around the Word of God, to hear the Word of God. That's important. But what is most important is what we do when we walk out of church, what we do with the Word of God, that we begin to act on it. I'd love a chance just to, just to pray for you and to, um, and to give you an opportunity to pray to God and spend time with Him. Let's, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that as we reflect upon your words, Jesus, that you you speak the truth about our condition. You speak the truth that you love us. You speak the truth that even though we're broken and sinful, that you died for us. Father, I just I pray for the person here that has been building their house upon the sand. They they really have pretty much ignored your your um your law, and God, their, their life is kind of a mess right now. I pray that you just would pick them up. I pray that you would reach down and pick them up and give them new hope that in following you and being obedient to you that there is, that there is grace and there is change and there is mercy. Because, God, the Bible says that your mercies are new every day. So, Father, we claim that today, that, that you would give us new mercies today. Father, for the person who is specifically convicted of a sin today in their life, I pray that you would give them the courage and the audacity to make a change today. Maybe they need to get rid of that computer. Maybe they need to get rid of that girlfriend. Maybe they need to get rid of that boyfriend. Maybe they need to get rid of that job or that friend or whatever that addiction might be in their life. God, I pray that you would give them power over that in the name of the Holy Spirit. Father, through the power of Christ that you resurrected him from the grave, I pray that you would place it in their life to give them power over sin in their life. God, that we might be a people who are blessed by you, that we might not just be defined by attending a a service on Sunday, but we would be defined by how we live Monday through Saturday. God, we love you. We thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.